Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. coming at you from 8.60 a.m. WGUL. And by the way, this is a super-duper special edition of Dr. Bill, live remote from Wakula Springs State Park, the Edward Ball Lodge. So if you hear an echo, it's because I'm in the solarium, which is about, I don't know, 150 feet long by 30 feet wide and, and about 25 feet tall. This building was built in the 1930s, the early 1930s. It is the oldest state lodge. I think it might be the only state lodge. I know we have cabins at some of the other Florida state parks. And if you want to uh, enjoy a really wonderful time, I suggest coming here to Wakula Springs. Wakula Springs, W-A-K-U-L-L-A, is the largest and deepest freshwater spring in the world. It uh, is 185 feet deep, by the way, Ken. So if you want to do a deep dive, you can do a deep dive here. I don't think I can hold my breath that long. So, Well, we'll give you a scuba tank about ah, that. Ah, okay, that's good. And uh, so you're going to hear background noise and echoes and everything. But this is really a neat lodge. It was built in the 1930s. They've tried to keep it pretty much in the period. And, of course, they've had to replace some furniture over the years. But the ceilings are, uh, the, uh, the timbers are hand-painted. They were restored in 2003. Uh, the light fixtures are pretty much the same as they were. I guess they have a few new ones here and there. But basically, they've been able to maintain them. And, of course, they put in air conditioning and uh, electricity, out, newer outlets around it, and, and so on and so forth. So it's very comfortable. The beds are wonderful. Uh, the the people that are working at the desk are just delightful. The staff are very helpful. Um, it's older, so you're going to have some of the problems that you have with any older uh, building. But really, it's it's just a, a dream, and it's it's reasonably priced too, Ken. It's really really good. The, nearby there is kayaking, canoeing, uh, uh, paddle boarding. Uh, you can go 15 miles down to St. Mark's, and there, there's uh, uh, plenty of boats to and, and rentals and uh, hires down there. If you want to go fishing, it goes right out to the Gulf of Mexico. Now, Wakula Springs is about 20 miles south of Tallahassee. Tallahassee is the state capital of Florida, for those of you who don't know. So this is... Uh, the premier state park, so to speak, and it's right near the state capitol, which is a nice little town. I have not driven around it for years, but we went up there yesterday, Ken, and did a little shopping, and uh, boy, it has grown. It's about 200,000 people now. Last time I was there, it was about 100,000. Sounds like a great staycation, as they say. It was, it's a staycation. Uh, we also jumped on the St. Mark's bike trail, which runs from St. Mark's, which is basically on the Gulf of Mexico, all the way up to Tallahassee. And so we took the leg from uh, right near the state park here and rode down about 10 miles 
had lunch uh, on the St. Mark's River and then rode back up. Very, very nice, very romantic and paved. Uh, just a really nice bike trail that runs from Tallahassee all the way down uh, to the Gulf of Mexico. And so that's about a 30 mile run. That's a good sized bike trail. Tons of people out on it too. I was surprised. I mean, tons of people, tons for that's bikes. Good thing. People getting exercise always. A yeah. Good thing. For biking, that's a good thing. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about this. Now, Alligator Joe, old Joe, is displayed in the lobby. He was stuffed. He's about 10 feet long. And uh, he was shot uh, a couple of decades ago. Somebody, a poacher, snuck in and killed him. Now, he was uh, he was probably the, the most photographed alligator in the world. He would perch on a rock on the other side of the of the lodge on the other side of the spring and he never molested anybody no children no pets no no humans he never bothered anybody and so he was uh, you know part of the staff more or less and he was a fixture and there was a five thousand dollar reward to find out who killed old joe and they actually did find out but i don't know if anybody got the uh, reward or not at any rate the uh the the alligator they they brought him up from the bottom of the spring and because they didn't see him so they started looking for him they thought maybe he had died and fallen in and they found him and he'd been shot so they took him out and they stuffed him <laughs> and so he's well, on display why not and uh, listen there's still a five thousand dollar reward out so if anybody wants to do a little bit of investigation they can uh, collect that money how about that <laughs> right i'll get right on that doc Okay, good. Now, by the way, I am streaming live on Facebook, but I'm having some technical difficulties with my camera, so you can hear me, but you can't see me, I don't think. Well, if I can never can, see you here at the radio magic. station, but you're sounding fine. Well, that's because you're on the other side of the station, and you, you can't see through all the walls. That's, that's right, exactly. We, yeah. keep you, we keep you in your own little area. But today, I'm not at the station. I'm about 250 miles away from you in Wakula Springs. So this is Dr. Bill live from Wakula Springs, which is the premier state park in Florida. By the way, you know, Ken, if you want to come to Florida, there's a lot more to do than just Orlando and the Space Coast. We have a tremendous uh, uh, wealth of state parks and natural scenery. We have more natural springs in Florida than anywhere on earth. Wakula Springs is the largest, deepest uh, freshwater spring in the world. And if you would like to come to Florida and uh, be part of our great state and vacation with us, we'd love to have you down here. And this is, a, this is an opportunity to see some of the greatest wetlands in the world, the Everglades, uh, which is the largest wetlands in the United States and probably one of the largest in the world, I would think, and I don't know for sure, but I think it is. Probably, yeah, I would think so. It's huge. Yeah, uh, It's huge, and, uh, you know, you can see alligators. Now, here at Wakula Springs, if you come during certain times of the year, you can actually see the manatees come up and hang out. When it gets too cold, they will come up here uh, from the ocean because the water is warmer. The water is in a constant 71 degrees. It comes from our aquifer, which is uh, beneath most of Florida, lower Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and it goes all the way, believe it or not, it goes all the way and underneath the Mississippi River, the aquifer is huge. 
It is a huge underground sea formed about 50,000, 50 million years ago. And it was a, a saltwater body that was trapped and the water gradually leached, the, rather the salt gradually leached out over time and the water bubbles up and makes our springs here. And that's a source of a lot of fresh water. And a lot of the bottled water you drink is from the Florida Springs. So there you go. I had no idea it was that big. That's well, I was huge. talking with one of the nurses. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's humongous. And so, you know, Swift Mud, which is a Southwest Florida water management uh, group, you know, a bunch of damn water Nazis. <laughs> they come after me all the time for running my sprinklers at my office. At any rate, they're the ones who tell you, oh, you can't sprinkle because we're in a drought and we don't want to drain the aquifer. Well, it would probably take 50 million years to drain the, the aquifer, but that's okay. We'll let them play. More bureaucracy, more bureaucracy. Unbelievable. At any rate, <clears throat> where was I? Oh, I was talking with some of the nurses at the hospital. We were talking about the vaccine, which, as you know, Ken, I've been saying will be available this fall. And my gosh, it, it's going to be available for uh, frontline workers probably at the end of November. And then after they try it out on, on us rats, then they'll send it out to the general public. Supposedly in March, it should be ready. The Democrats are pitching a fit because they don't want it to come out before the election. And so they have been petitioning and the FDA being full of bureaucrats and left wingers has held up uh, emergency compassionate use approval. And so I'm talking with the nurses and you would think that the nurses would be a little bit more intelligent. And some of them are and some of them are not. And of course, the Democratic nurses, well, I'm not taking it. It's not safe. I said, why is it not safe? Well, isn't it a lie? vaccine? I said, yes, it's a live vaccine. Are you going to take it? I said, yeah, I'm going to take it. As I told everybody, I'm going to knock over every little kid and hundred year old man that's in my way. And Ken's right behind me to that's get the right. vaccine. <laughs> I mean, come on, get out of my way, folks. I need that stuff. <laughs> any rate, because I don't want to wear these stupid masks for the rest of my life. No, I'm done with the mask too. I'm still wearing it, but I'm, I'm getting done with oh, it. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm wearing it, but you know, I smell it's kind of like popcorn or burnt something all day long with that stuff on. At any rate, so here's the deal. This is not the coronavirus, the COVID virus. This is not a live COVID virus. This is an adenovirus. You say, well, what's the difference, Doc? Okay, it's apples and oranges. Now, they're both fruits, right? You would agree with that, Ken? Sure, apples who might argue with both. you on that one? Yeah. Who would argue with me on that? They both have vitamin C and other vitamins. They both have sugar. They both have uh, fiber. And one has a, a, a peel that you can eat, the apple peel. Uh, of course, the orange peel is a little, little bit tougher to get down and not very digestible. It doesn't taste very good. It's pretty bitter. It's good for cooking, though, for spicing things up. So at any rate, they're two different things, okay? And although they are in the same family, fruits, you can see that they are different. Now, an apple tends not to burn your mouth if you're sensitive to acids, whereas an orange does because it's more acidic. It has more citric acid in it. It's a citrus fruit. By the way, we grow that in Florida. At least we used to. I think we, I think we still much grow a few oranges. Do we I still think we so. Got a few. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And we got Tropicana Field where the Rays are playing, and, and they're tied in the in the World Series, right? We're 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, that, um, is it 3? Uh, I think it's 3-2 uh, now. Yeah, you're right. 3-2? I think it's 3-2 three, three, two two now. Okay. Yeah, I've lost track, but the, right. last We're, night's ending was uh, phenomenal. We are still in, baby. That's right. 
Okay. Okay. So I, I know I explained this before, but I'll explain it again. How are we making the vaccine? The adenovirus that we're using is a weakened adenovirus. It, it came from a monkey and it's not very infectious in humans, which means it won't get into the cells and reproduce very, very well, um, <clears throat> if at all. So what, what they did at, uh, at the General Institute in Oxford and London is they took this virus and they spliced in the gene that encodes for the little spike that comes off of the coronavirus. So the adenovirus now has the coronavirus spike on it, which is antigenic, which means it produces a, uh, a, 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 an antigenic response, uh, uh, an antibody response. You attack it, your immune system attacks it uh, by making antibodies to it, and that uh, immobilizes the, the virus and keeps it from getting into the cell. Well, we know some of the adenovirus will get into a few cells, but they're not going to reproduce. So the other adenoviruses that are floating around with the S protein hook to it, are you keeping up with me here, Ken? Because there's a test. I'm at the taking end. notes. I'm taking notes. Good, good. I want everybody to listen carefully because this is important. This is extremely important so that you're not afraid of this vaccine. This is not the COVID virus. This is an adenovirus with the COVID S protein stuck onto it. Okay. That makes and sense. That's okay, I'm what following produces, you so far. I'm following you. Okay. That's what makes the antibody response. This adenovirus, which is another cold virus, causes a cold, it is not infectious to humans. So it floats around in your bloodstream, but it doesn't really get into your cells to cause any damage. That's how viruses reproduce. They get inside of our cells and they force our cells to start making their own little viral uh, babies, so to speak. They hijack so your this, system pretty much. Yeah. They hijack your system. It's a hijack situation. So just think of a semi going down the highway and somebody jumps in and takes over and all of a sudden you're not going up to North Dakota, you're going down to Mexico. <laughs> now, I don't know what you're going to do down there, but that's where you're going. I so here's the deal. This is not a dangerous vaccine. You are not going to get the coronavirus, the COVID virus from this vaccine. You're not going to get it because there's not the in the adenovirus to tell your cells to make the coronavirus, the COVID virus. It can't because it's an adenovirus. It can get in there and, you know, bump around a little bit and then our cells won't recognize its, uh, its RNA sequences and it won't do anything. But what does happen is outside of our cells, in our bloodstream, the T cells, the lymphocytes, the white blood cells that attack foreign objects, they make these antibodies. We call them antibodies or proteins that hook onto the S protein, the spike on the virus, and that causes other white blood cells come along and eat them up. And that's how we fight it. So what we're doing when we give you the adenovirus, not the coronavirus, the adenovirus with the S protein hooked to it is we're stimulating an immune response in you. This is extremely safe. We've been immunizing since the 1780s. Well, actually long before that, you probably didn't know this, Ken, but- 1780s? The, uh, yeah, that's when Jenner, wrote his paper. I had no idea. On the small, the smallpox vaccine. 
he started modern immunology. Now, but he really didn't start it. It was the uh, diplomatic and businessmen's wives coming back from Turkey in the early 1700s who brought with them the cowpox or the camelpox vaccine, which imparted immunity to smallpox, which had been used probably since the 12th or 13th century in uh, Eastern and Central Asia because the doctors figured it out. And you know how they used it? You know how they would immunize you? They'd swab your nose with it. Oh, really? Okay. Well. Yeah. And, and we're swabbing to this into, very day. And we're swabbing still. I'm a swabby. <laughs> um, some of my office staff, they refuse to swab for the COVID virus, so I go in and I do the swabbing. So um, if you see me swabbing around, it's just me looking for coronavirus. And... So what Jenner did is these women had been bringing this back and by then it had morphed into, you'd make a little nick in the skin of the arm and you'd rub this in. And so they were passing it around. The women and children were all immunizing themselves against the, uh, the uh, smallpox. By the way, guess what country was the first country to have large scale immunization for smallpox? Uh, the US? Got it. All and right. You know who it was? Excuse me? General George Washington. Oh, okay. You, yeah, what happened is he was afraid that the British would use biological warfare because they had done that before, and he didn't want his troops to get infected, so he made them all get immunized with the pox uh, vaccination that was going around, and Abigail Adams used it on her kids, and her daughter almost died from it because it can cause a serious infection in some people. Most people get a little bit sick with the, uh, with the, what they used in the cowpox or the camelpox, which was a weakened uh, smallpox uh, derivative. At any rate, so Washington said, all right, troops, the Continental Army, the regulars, and so everybody said, His Excellency, the general is immunizing everybody against smallpox. So up and down all 13 colonies, Two-thirds of the population were immunized. They immunized themselves against smallpox. Unbelievable. That's in the 1770s. I didn't know that so, it went back that far. I really didn't. Yeah. It, it did. So then the Jenner Institute at Oxford is where they developed this uh, ability to splice the genetic material for the S protein, which is the little spike on the corona COVID virus that allows it to get into a cell, our cells, and they spliced just that part of the COVID virus's genetic material into an adenovirus. So the adenovirus makes that. Now you say, how can you do that? Well, it's magic, and I don't, I don't want to go into it because I don't want to give it away. But, it's a uh, secret. Huh? It's a secret. It's a trade secret. But basically, uh, what we do is we put the cell um, or the virus under a high-powered microscope with these ultra, ultra, ultra thin wires and we can push genetic material in and out of different uh, uh, cells and viruses. Uh, we can also do it by splicing it in using uh, biochemistry, but that's way too complex to discuss at this show. So it is safe, it is effective, and the only reason it's not out now is because the Democrats are screaming that they want a complete phase three trial. And then they blame uh, the Republicans and the president for the virus, uh, for the epidemic. Give me a break. The, the president started back in January. A task force was formed. We knew about this back in November of last year. We knew something was up because 
our NSA realized that for several blocks around the, the lab in Wuhan where this came from, that all the cell phone activity had stopped. You, you didn't know that, did you, Ken? I didn't know that either. You are a wealth of information, I tell you. And so they said, well, that's the Wuhan where they're making viruses. Something's up because they've blocked all the traffic in that area. They've quarantined that building. And so then our agents got in there and started investigating and said, well, there's a virus that's gotten loose. And so we knew, at least our government knew back in December. And in early January, we started the task force. And in early February, the president started saying, we got to stop flights from China. And uh, he started the task force. He started the warp speed, which uh, has produced uh, not only the vaccine in record time, and they gave a billion dollars to the uh, Jenner Institute and AstraZeneca. By the way, Jenner Institute at Oxford, they licensed their creation of this hybrid adenovirus to AstraZeneca, which is then sublicensed it around the world. And we have been developing this, Johnson & Johnson and Janssen. Janssen has been using the same adenovirus. Now, when you get up to this high level of research, it's a very small community, and they all share all over the world, whether it's Russian scientists, Chinese scientists, European scientists, American scientists. Everybody shares all their information and their knowledge, and they ship these viruses back and forth. They actually, you know, you, if you're in that level and you have that clearance, you can say, hey, can I get some of that adenovirus you're using to make the vaccine? And they'll say, sure, and they ship it to you. And so then you start your production and your research. Basically, we're all indebted, once again, to the British or the English at Oxford. Although I don't know how many English are actually working at the Institute now. It's probably polyglot, you know, people from all over the world. <clears throat> so this is very safe. The Democrats are uh, misleading the public on this. Uh, the vaccine should be available for frontline workers like me, and I'll get you in on this too, Ken, because you might catch the virus over the, over the radio here since we're, I mean, you know, we, we're, we're communicating directly to each other, so that's important. And yeah. I'm not wearing a mask, are you? Uh, not at the moment, no. All right, so you're there with me. All right, excellent. Get me in right and behind you. You're in. Okay, does that make sense? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. The other thing I hear is that the president got special treatment. No, he didn't. He got the exact same thing that we've been using since March. Remdesivir, uh, immune plasma, only the plasma that, that we use has been purified into just that one antibody called Regeneron. They put it in a vial. So instead of getting a big bag of plasma, you get one little vial. Big deal. Big deal. The, the, the percentage of people who have a reaction to other people's plasma is is less than 1%, and it's usually just a mild allergic reaction. So who cares? And we don't even need it. We've been using the, the uh, remdesivir and steroids and uh, anticoagulants and over-the-counter medications like the president got, you know, zinc and vitamin C and all that. He didn't get anything anybody else hadn't gotten. He just got it in a more concentrated form. Give me a break. So we have produced... Uh, vaccine, we have produced uh, medications, we have fast-tracked the use of remdesivir, which was made in the uh, first uh, decade of this century. And uh, we have done so much and learned so much in such a short period of time, 
and we have shared information. And we even did this at our hospital, Ken. We sat around the lunch table, six of us, five, six of us, over several days and talked about all of our knowledge and all of our experience. And so uh, Jesus Lanza, who's the intensivist, he's from Honduras and some of his buddies down there were using X. And then uh, uh, Denise Balcazar, she knew about the remdesivir and she got compassionate use. I think she was probably the first person in the state of Florida to get it for a hospital. And I actually carried it in the first batch of it with the pharmacist, with Cheryl, our pharmacist. And, uh, you know, there was other doctors there, uh, Dr. Mercado, who's from Paraguay, and uh, uh, Dr. Hendricks, who's a local girl. And so there were a bunch of us, and we sat around the table. We brought all of our knowledge, all of our research, and we said, this is what we're going to do. And we started doing it. Guess what? It worked. We have one of the lowest mortality rates of any hospital, probably in the nation. And... Uh, and deaths are way down. I mean, yeah. deaths are not like it was back in March and April. No. We keep hearing about the case numbers going up, but the deaths are way down. Well, that's what we want. We want the case yes. numbers to go up. We want immunization. We want herd immunity. So we're we're letting it out, you know. And as I said earlier in the year, it's going to be a wave effect until we get 60%, 70% of the population infected or we have a vaccine looks like we're going to have a vaccine before we hit that 60% mark. We're probably, what, about 20% now, 30%. Oh, we we're that high already. Huh? Okay. I didn't realize well, we that. don't know the real numbers yeah. because, we, you know, people that get sick, not, not, every, not everybody runs in and gets a test. You know, mm -hmm. people call me and say, I think I got it, and they tell me their symptoms, and they say, should I get a test? I said, well, you can come in and get a test if you want, but then you're going to have to wait two or three days to it's positive why don't we just go ahead and treat you so we go ahead and we treat and they get better ah. now does it does that mean they have it i don't know yeah. i mean you know they, they may or may not can but at any rate we we go at least i do i go ahead and treat and i know a lot of other doctors in the neighborhood have done the same thing basically using the formula that we developed at the lunch table only without the remdesivir we only give the remdesivir if your oxygen saturations drop or if you're very older elderly sick have a lot of comorbidities and that's a five-day iv in the vein treatment we don't have a, an oral or an intranasal treatment for that yet but it works and people are not dying now when we take and, the vaccine are we gonna be able to get the mask up i mean if you take if you get a shot for the vaccine can you just throw away your mask at that point yes yes okay yes you can but you'll but what, what they're going to want you to do for a while is to do the nasal swab and carry around a little certificate saying I had a nasal swab and it was negative for the virus. Mm -hmm. But after, you know, a couple hundred thousand of those, then the CDC is going to say, I forget it. You know, they keep going back and forth anyway. So the president's yes. right. We are kind of rounding the corner on this thing, aren't we? In yeah. The, into the, into the final he's... home stretch. He, he didn't even know. We rounded the corner last March, April. Give me a break. Come on. We figured this out. And he's just saying what he's being told and what he hears and sees. And, you know, because he's a layman, he doesn't understand. He doesn't realize that Regeneron is basically convalescent plasma, only it's shrunk down to just that one antibody. I mean, he's, he's not a scientist, he's not a doctor, and he really doesn't uh, understand all of this, which is okay. But what he does understand is that his efforts and the efforts of his um, administration 
and the CDC and doctors like me who are out there in the front lines, and I've seen about 60 or 70 COVID patients now, that we are doing it and we're doing what he wants, which is getting this done in a big, fast hurry. Now, come on, how many have we lost? 210,000 people? Somewhere around there, yeah. In a mass pandemic like this, that's nothing. And people say, well, why do we have some of the highest numbers? Uh, because we're the third largest population on the planet and we keep records. And in India and in China, I guarantee you, they don't have accurate records. It's not that they're faking or that the government's lying. I don't know, they may be. But these are still large areas of rural populations that have underservice of health care and don't have good record keeping. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is. It, it, it takes time to become a first world country. And although the big cities in China are first world and the big cities in, in India are fast becoming first world, there's still a lot of the rural population that is third world. All and right. it's just a fact. It's just a fact. I mean, you know, it takes time. You got to give time time, Ken. Speaking of time, might be time for a break here. What time is it? Hey, we're at 9.33 already, yeah. Oh, my God. Listen, Barb is yelling at me that we got to get a better <laughs> closing. So um, today, I th until I can get Joe to record something for me, I think what we'll do, by the way, this is Dr. Bill, and I'm doing a live remote from Wakula Springs, Edward Ball State Park. That's why it sounds like I'm in an echo machine, echo chamber. I'm out on the humongous sun porch here, gorgeous outside just beautiful here at any rate so when we close today why don't you just close with my advertisement about telemedicine that'll work we'll do what we can here for you <laughs> all right let's have a little music i'm going to go grab a cup of joe we'll be right back this is dr bill your radio md SRN News, I'm Jeremy House in Washington. A day after the U.S. set a daily record for new confirmed coronavirus infections, it came very close to doing it again. Data published by Johns Hopkins University shows 83,718 new cases in the U.S. were reported yesterday, nearly matching the 83,757 infections reported the day before. California, which has endured its worst wildfire season in history, is bracing for the most dangerous winds of the year. Forecast that prompted the largest utility to announce plans to cut power Sunday to nearly one million people. Afghanistan is claiming it's killed a top al-Qaeda propagandist on an FBI most wanted list during an operation in the country's east. The killing threatens to plunge the nation uh, beset by decades of war into further chaos as the U.S. works to withdraw its forces. More details at SRNews.com. I'm Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 
Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I'm Dr. Paul Gooch. I'm an optometric physician at Southwest Vision in St. George, Utah. We have a practice where we do a lot of primary eye care, medical eye care. We know nutrition affects the health of the eyes. There are several diseases where nutrition plays a role that we've identified. So I do recommend balance of nature to my patients. It's almost a self-evident truth to me that if they eat a healthy diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables, they're going to give their bodies the rich source of biochemistry they need to have their best chance of being healthy. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RESULTS. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Mike Gallagher asks the tough questions. When they talk about love and the tenets of Christianity, spirituality, why don't these never-Trumpers ever extend any of that to Trump? We forgive as Christians. We extend grace to people who don't behave the way we want them to behave. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9 on AM860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Warm today with partial sunshine. A thunderstorm around in the afternoon with a high of 88. Tonight, clear to partly cloudy with a low 75. Monday, warm with the temperature tying the record from 1991 with periods of clouds and sunshine. An afternoon thunderstorm and a high of 89. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. Are you there, Ken? I am, sir. Ken? Okay, good. So we're streaming okay? We're fine. Everything's looking good. All right. 
Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In the first half of the show, we talked about the virus and the vaccine, which you don't have to be afraid of, folks. And uh, I'll get it and let you know if I drop dead, I'll give you a call. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, I'll call. I'll maybe. You, yeah. I'll send you a postcard from heaven anyway. <laughs> so listen, the, the presidential election of 1876, you probably forgot all about that because you weren't alive then. I was. That's when Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden went at it. And Tilden actually won the popular vote. And the popular vote has been won uh, five times with the popularly voted in president losing in the electoral vote. So, you know, federalism at work. We vote by state, not by not by popular vote. And we're not going to change that. And these left-wingers who are yelling for that. If they think that 37 little states are going to give that up and change the Constitution, I've got a little surprise for them. It ain't going to happen. So, at any rate, no, it's Rutherford the, way, the, uh, lost the popular the, vote. The Electoral College is a great equalizer. It is a great equalizer. It keeps the big states from stepping on the little states. And that's the only reason the little states joined the Union. They, they wanted, they wanted uh, two things. One, they wanted the Senate. That was one of the great compromises of the uh, of the Constitutional Convention. Mm-hmm. And number two, they wanted the Electoral College, which everybody agreed to on that. And the other great compromise was the Three-Fifths Compromise, which did not mention slavery, but which uh, inferred its existence. Um, and, of course, the Civil War and the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment got rid of all that. So at any rate, in 1876, which was a period when Reconstruction was still going on in the South. And if you don't know what Reconstruction is, the North continued to occupy the South and to try to ensure that black Americans who were recently freed would be treated equally at the polls and uh, have opportunities. And of course, the Southerners were, well, not all Southerners, but some Southerners were pretty upset about this. And uh, they didn't like being occupied since they had surrendered and agreed to come back into the Union. And uh, it didn't work out well when they ended Reconstruction for black Americans, but it it was tearing the nation apart again. And uh, so Rutherford Hayes was the Republican. He was the governor of Ohio, kind of uh, an unknown back then, much like Clinton was unknown in, in the early 90s. And then Tilden was the Democratic governor of New York. And Tilden, the Democrats... As you recall, the Civil War was not only over slavery, it was to decide whether Northern or Southern Democrats would uh, be in charge of the Democratic Party. And then temporarily, the Northern Democrats won. It kind of goes back and forth. So at any rate, Tilden actually won the popular vote. And he had, uh, at at the initial count, he had the uh, electoral votes, too. But guess what? Florida and Oregon and several other states were holding up their electoral votes for various reasons. And there was a lot of politics. And the same thing as today, uh, ballots were disallowed and uh, signatures were called into play. And they also, for those who could not read or write, they had pictures. So you'd have a picture of Tilden and a picture of Hayes. And you knew who was who if you had been out and about. And you would vote by the picture. So the Southerners said, well, that's not right. We want people to be able to read so they know what they're doing. And that's when that whole thing for poll taxes and and reading came in, which, again, was thrown out later on. 
uh, by the federal government, the federal courts. So this thing went on for several months after the election was over. It's a long time. You know, that's the same thing that we're talking about now. And, you know, the press is saying, this is unprecedented. This has never happened in American history. Yeah, it has. Happened in 1876 with Tilden and Hayes. And so the dirty deal that was made was that if Hayes got the presidency, the Republicans would go along with the Southern Democrats and end Reconstruction. That is, they'd pull all the federal troops out and then the South would deteriorate into basically apartheid, separate but equal, actually separate and unequal. And uh, that would hold until the turn of the, of the 19th century when separate but equal came in. And then again in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, uh, when the uh, Civil Rights Acts came in and the Supreme Court said that uh, separate but equal was not right and that everybody had to be the same and not even separate, which is fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. That's a good thing. So the country was pretty split in 1876. And what came out of it was, once again, a Republican president. And as you recall, Lincoln was the first Republican president. And so we're back in the same situation where the Republicans are saying, we don't want the federal government coming in here and telling us what to do. And the Democrats saying, well, we do. We want the federal government to come in. We want a strong federal government to step on the states and put them down and keep people in order. Basically the same thing that was happening in 1876, only it was the South that was being uh, told what to do by the federal government and being uh, marshaled around. And you can argue that the harshness of Reconstruction as laid on the South by the radical Republicans in the late 1860s and early 1870s engendered the animosity that the Southerns have felt and, and still persist to this day against the Northeast and uh, against uh, federal encroachment on their rights. So this is something that, that the uh, country has experienced before. It's not new. Uh, Tilden and Hayes went at it just as Trump and Biden are going at it. And whether the Electoral College does or does not decide this in the first round, we will wait and see. But one thing we know for sure by federal law, the states must have their, their ballots and their electoral ballots in by the end of December. And I think that the uh, decision has to be made in early January. That is, it has to go to the floor of the House and the ballots are open before the House and the Senate, before the uh, Speaker of the House and, and uh, the uh, head of the Senate. And that's how we do it. That's how it's set up. So we have a process. And the process may be drug out further than that, Ken, because if, if uh, a lot of the states start fighting the ballot counting and take it to court, which is probably going to happen, then we're going to have, uh, have to wait and see, unless it's a landslide one way or the other, we're going to have to wait and see, because there may be millions of ballots that may or may not be allowed. It'll work its way up to the Supreme Court. Can you match, and the, one of the big problems is going to be, can you match a signature on a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot with a driver's license signature. Will that work? Is that legal? And we're, we're probably going to have the Supreme Court get involved in this because we have different states saying different things. And also we have uh, the, the governor of Florida, I'm sorry, the governor of Texas saying 
only one ballot box per county. And the Texas Supreme Court said, nonsense. The governor doesn't have the power to make that decision. That's a legislative decision. So the governor of Texas is backed down, and now there are ballot boxes wherever the state legislature says they are allowed and the county jurisdictions. And you know in Pinellas County and probably over there in Hillsborough where you are, Ken, we have multiple ballot boxes. I don't know if you've voted yet. I have not. I'm going to do this this week probably. Yeah. 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 We voted. We have been doing the absentee ballots for probably 25 years, the wife and I. And so I took mine down to the community center in Gulfport, Florida, which is our town, our little suburb of St. Petersburg. And I put them in the ballot box. And the ballot box looked secure, multiple locks. There were two women sitting there. I'm sure they were both Democrats, but that's okay. There was a police car out front, so I figured there's a little Republican balance in there somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these are taken down to the, the, the place where we, in our county, where we count our ballots, and they're opened up. Now, the way this works, if you have not done an absentee ballot or a mail-in secret ballot in Florida, we have, uh, have it mailed to us. It comes with an envelope that you send it back in. It comes with a security sleeve that you put your ballot in, and you put that in the envelope, and you sign the outside of the envelope across the, the seal so that if anybody opens it, they can see that your name has been disrupted. And so you, you mark with a ballpoint pen, you know, Biden or Trump or, you know, judge so-and-so or pro or con for this amendment to the Florida Constitution, and you don't sign your ballot. Your ballot is unsigned. And you put that in the security sleeve so that when it's opened by the poll workers uh, at whatever central part of the city and county we do that, that they don't see, they hand the green uh, sleeve with your ballot in it to the next person so that nobody sees your name. And then your, your uh, envelope that you mailed it in is, is discarded to the left and your ballot goes to the guy on the right and mm -hmm. nobody sees it, supposedly. And that way it's secret. But the person on the left is the one who verifies that that's your signature before it's opened. And it's matched against a signature on file that I gave and my wife gave uh, to the voter voting commission of Pinellas County decades ago when we first signed up. So when you go and you sign up to vote, you have to sign your name. And, uh, and they ask you, do you want an absentee ballot? And you check, yes, I do. And then every time you vote absentee ballot uh, at the uh, top of, of the envelope, it says, do you want to continue voting absentee? And you check that. So they keep that uh, refreshed. You have to refresh that every time you vote, that you say, yes, I want absentee ballot, and they mail it out to you. So this is the way the secrecy of the ballot is maintained, the, the sanctity and the integrity of the voting process is maintained in our country, at least in our state. I don't know what they do in other states. Who knows up, up in New York and the communist country there. And, <laughs> Is that communist now? They, I don't think they've gone full communist yet. They haven't gone full. Well, you know, you heard uh, Strom Thurmond, the longest, oldest senator in history. He was railing about communism and Ted Kennedy. That's back in the day when the old boys were there. And Ted Kennedy said, Strom, have you ever been to a communist country? And he looked at Ted Kennedy and he said, hell yeah, I've been to Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from Illinois where they'll send you as many uh, absentee ballots as you want. 
And you know, in the election of 1876, 101% of the registered population voted. <laughs> More than 1% over the actual number of living people who could vote. And uh, so Illinois doesn't have the sole uh, uh, the sole claim of, <laughs> of voting uh, dead people voting. You know, the we just per- we just perfected it up there. That's all. You perfected it. You guys <laughs> took it to a whole, whole new level. Yes. But in 1876, it was contentious, baby. It was contentious, and but you know, we just got through a civil war. It looks like we're headed back towards another one. I, I hope that we don't, but um, you know, we may. We may. Oh, let's uh, hope not. Yeah. Let's, so, uh, you know, it'd be bloody mess. I mean, yeah. there'd be nuclears flying and everything. Because, you know, families, they don't hold back when they fight. Mm. Oh, it's like a marital spats, you know. They can get pretty nasty. You have to really use a lot of calm and control, especially with my wife, where you'll get kicked. <laughs> so that was the election of 1876, which was very contentious and was uh, actually a very, uh, a very interesting historically uh, probably the most contentious election in U.S. history because of the uh, fact that it wasn't decided until months afterwards when finally both parties agreed on a, on a compromise solution, the Compromise of 1877. And there you go. That's how it worked. And you didn't know that, did you, Ken? I didn't know 99% of that. That's right. And the country Which survived. And the country survived. I want to know which 1% you knew. Uh, that there was earlier contested elections. There you go. To the, the, to the, uh, the, to the extent that we're seeing e. today. Was, I couldn't tell you which race it was. E. Yeah. But, but something in there, something happened, right? I knew in the 1800s something like this had happened, yes. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It is. I love history. And you are just a great historian. And so listen, you know how... The, the left wing is saying that, that income has gone down for the middle class. Hell, it's been going up 5 or 6% ever since Trump took office. Can you believe that? I mean, these people just, they, and, and what amazes me is that the public buys this. They just buy. Now, these statistics don't come from me. They come from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. And the real income is even higher. The rise is even higher because, guess what? Inflation is low. And, uh, the uh, cost of health care for some people has gone down. And, and there's a number of factors that come into this so that the actual uh, income, the, the, the actual percentage rise in income is greater than 5 or 6% per, for the middle class households. And did you know that we are, on average, American households are making in the high 60s, 60,000, 65,000 plus a year. Don't tell me that we're not doing well economically. Yeah, we've had this little uh, downturn, but we'll get over it. Well, there's a housing we there's up. a housing boom on. People are buying houses like crazy, so somebody's making some money somewhere. Somebody, oh, and you know, you can't get construction workers to come and do anything. Oh my God! I mean, all everybody I call, I, the electrician I called to uh, uh, to uh, come out and inspect my sign so I can get an inspection from the city because he has to sign off on it. He came out like at five in the afternoon. I said, are you guys busy? He said, doc, we are so busy. We can't get anywhere. We can't do anything. Uh, we are just covered up with work. And, um, and my guy that, that Doug, uh, that's got the backhoe and Doug for me, you're welcome to sit down. Um, we have a fan. We've oh. got a fan club. 
Um, this is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We're on air live in, in the Tampa Bay area, and you can get us uh, on the internet at WGUL at, uh, at theanswer.com or at drbillyourradiomd.com, and we're streaming live on Facebook. Only no video today because I couldn't get my camera working. So at any rate, Kent, where was I? What was I talking about? Um, you know, I've lost, lost track, too. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we finished up on... Uh, oh, that's right. You were digging a hole. You were talking about uh, getting help from electricians and things like that. Yeah. We were talking to, and we're talking about how busy the economy is, how the family incomes have risen 5 to 6% per year since Trump took office, which was way above what the uh, Biden, uh, what's his name, Obama administration did. So we've got a lot of good things going on. Let's not give it up just because you don't like the way the president talks or you don't like his haircut. It's not about him. It's about you and me. It's about what we're doing and who we are and what we have and our health, our welfare, our security, and uh, our jobs. Uh, a whole bunch of things come into play. You know, if, if Biden wins, you know that the uh, capital gains tax is going to go up, Ken. And if that happens, then we're really not going to have any choice but to sell our practice in our office building because I just don't want to pay another 15 or 20 percent when we sell. I mean, that's a lot of money for us in our retirement, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully that doesn't happen. We're getting close to the end of the show. We got about three minutes left here, Doc. We got about three minutes. So I took the grandkids out to, uh, out to dinner the other night and my grandson, I said, he said, Grandpa, can I say grace? And I said, yeah, you can say grace. And so he put his head down and he said, God is great. God is good. Thank you, God, for our food. And thank you for Grandpa being here because I know that he's going to buy us ice cream after the meal <laughs> and, and let's all be happy. And so he nodded his head back up and pulled it up and people nearby chuckled and laughed. And one old biddy said, oh, that's terrible. These kids nowadays, they don't know how to pray. You don't pray for ice cream. And he started to cry and I said, it's okay, don't listen to her. And some man came over, older guy, and he said, you know, I just talked with God, and he said that your prayer was very good, and he really liked it. And that lady over there, she probably just never had enough ice cream, and that's why she's so mean and nasty. And so we finished our meal, and I went and bought the kids ice cream. And my grandson, he took his ice cream, a chocolate sundae, and he looked at me, and he looked at the old lady over there, and he went over there, and he put it in front of her, and he said, Here, ma'am, this is for you, you nasty old bitty. Hey, she said, I, why don't you just stick this up your butt and cool off a little bit? <laughs> kind of brings tears to your eyes, doesn't it? Very sweet, yes. <laughs> All right, about a minute and a half here or so, Doc. So, minute uh, and a half. All right, so in the final minute and a half, listen, the, the antifungal nail gel study is still on, so I still need a few people to join that. You can do it remotely with the uh, telemedicine. We can have the laboratory come to you. And we can mail you the gel. It's free. The study is free. I need about 10 more people in the study. Uh, call the office at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Or you can go to our website, bayareamed.com, cancareclinic.com. And also, Ken, we've got telemedicine, same number, 727 6411. That's 727-384-6411. We see Americans, we see Canadians, we see visitors, we'll see occasional dogs and cats, and uh, we do a little bit of everything. And so we are here for you. Telemedicine is easy. I send you a link to your cell phone, you press it, 
and then you're in my office and we connect, we can see each other. And if you're not comfortable using your cell phone, your smartphone, I can call you directly and we can do it that way. It's legitimate. You'll just need your, your insurance information unless you want to self-pay. Or if you're doing the study, the toenail study, it's free. Again, that's 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Let's get a little music and rock on out of here, bud. I'm Dr. Phil, your radio MP. Love you, Ken. Love all you guys out there. I'll see you next week. Yahoo!